the book of Exodus, chapter 12, beginning at the first verse. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbour, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Israel, Egypt. This is the day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's great to be here. It's the first time I've been inside St. Matthew's. There aren't many Anglican churches in, um, well, there aren't many churches in uh, Reading that I've not been to. That's all right. I remember Bishop Wood doing this at Greyfriars, <laughs> dropping everything all over the place. Right, Exodus chapter 12. This is one of the great chapters of the Bible, and um, it's a very important chapter as well. So why is that? 
because the Passover meal is central um, to both the Jews and also to the Christians. For Israel, it is foundational for its self-understanding as a people set apart as a priestly nation to be God's treasured possession. Let's just set my timer going so that you get home for lunch. Sorry about that. (laughs) Let me start that again. For Israel, it is foundational for its self-understanding as a people set apart as a priestly nation to be God's treasured possession in order to reveal his character to the world. For Christians, it is also a sign of our deliverance from slavery to sin, celebrated as we participate in the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper, which we will be doing shortly. These verses from uh, Exodus 12 may be broken down as follows. Verse 3, new beginning. Sorry, verse 2, new beginning. Verses 3 to 11, the Lamb. Verse 12, the Lord as judge. Verse 13, the blood of the Lamb. And verse 14, a perpetual uh, memorial. And the first important emphasis that we notice is on the Passover being a new beginning that must never be forgotten. Then we come to the Lamb, the central figure really in in this narrative, verses 3 to 11. It had to fulfill certain conditions. Firstly, it had to be the right size for the household because they needed to eat all of it. Secondly, it was to be the right age, a year-old male. Now, don't think of it as a cuddly little lamb. A year-old ram is at the height of its virility. Virility, I mean. (laughs) And power. Roughly equivalent in age to a 30-year-old man. It must be without defect. It was to be selected from the flock. And fifthly, it was to be prepared for sacrifice. Remember, it was not the life of the lamb that saved the people, but the death of the lamb. And we read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The lamb which was chosen that day by the head of each household is a very powerful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. When John was baptizing in the River Jordan, Jesus appeared on the scene. And at that point, John turned to the people and said, pointing at Jesus, Look, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the Lamb of God because his life was to be offered as a sacrifice for sins. And like the Lamb, Jesus was also in the prime of life when he was sacrificed upon that cross, approximately 33 years of age. Also like the Lamb, Jesus was without defect. Peter describes Jesus as a Lamb without blemish or defect. It was Jesus' death on the cross that paid the price of our redemption 
yours and mine. Paul, writing in Ephesians, says, In Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with God's grace. Jesus was our substitute. He died our death for us and suffered the judgment of our sins. And we must never forget that. And remember, to be effective, the blood had to be applied to the doorposts. For God promised in verse 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over. It is not sufficient simply to know that Jesus Christ was sacrificed for the sins of the world. We must accept the sacrifice for ourselves and be able to say with Paul, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2 verse 20. We need to listen to God's word. We need to be obedient to God's word and we need to enjoy God's word. Amen. I have to say I was very impressed with the young people here and that quiz of pads. Well, that was... I would have banned Joe from answering, by the way. (laughs) She shouldn't have been allowed to. (laughs) It's a good job I'm not the vicar. But the young people were very impressive if their parents weren't helping them. Well, the Gideons. It's Bible Sunday. Who are the Gideons? We're an association of Christian business and professional men who love the Lord and who love the Word. And we feel that the Word of God is important in our lives and directs everything that we do. And so we like to go out into what we term the traffic lanes of life and offer everyone... Uh, a Gideon, well, a Bible or a New Testament. It's not a Gideon Bible. It's just our emblem on the front. It's a normal Bible. Um, A copy so that they can read it for themselves and that they can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So that I don't leave anything out. And I, I thought of it the other day. I have left one area out. One of the things that Jennifer and I love uh, in the Reading area is to go into schools for uh, to all of those, year seven, um, and uh, also into the university. And uh, last year, Jennifer and I, together with others in our, in our local branch, distributed 3,200-plus uh, New Testaments uh, to the, m- most of the schools. There are one or two schools that won't allow us in anymore, um, but uh, to most of the schools... Uh, and earlier this year, we went into the um, Reading Music Festival, where we gave out. Uh, well, I'm blown. Or 1,242 um, testaments. Now, those are mainly youngsters coming up to us and asking for a copy, wondering what we're doing, why we've got this pile of what looks like diaries in our hands, because we give out uh, uh, a testament. Uh, like this and 1,242 were given out there were three professions of faith people wanted uh, after having looked at it on a night or two wanting to give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ we also went to Reading University's Fresher Fair and uh, we gave out 1,363 and that's much harder work I can tell you uh, than 
talking to 11 or 12-year-old young people. And you often get into very deep conversations. You know you're going nowhere with them. But you keep praying, Lord, open their eyes to see the light. Gideon's care for the elderly. We place uh, Bibles in residential homes. We care for the sick, taking um, New Testaments into the hospitals. Um, the Royal Barks Hospital sadly refuses us entry, but we get into Prospect and the Dunedin. We care for prisoners by placing Bibles in the prisons and young people's, um, uh, where young people have offended, like Hunter Coombe. Uh, we care for the bereaved. We have a Bible gift plan where, and you'll see we've got a display out here where we have coffee. Uh, there are cards there, and instead of sending flowers, which would die within a week, you can send a donation and we will place scriptures, or you can place scriptures, uh, for a loved one. We care for the visitor and by placing Bibles in hotels, motels, and guest houses. And last year, over one million Bibles were placed in hotel rooms from the Orkneys in the north down to the Channel Islands in the south. And here in Reading, we placed 240 scriptures. Uh, we are an international association operating in 198 countries, 98 languages, and 84 million Bibles were distributed just last year in those 198 countries. But what we're famous for, probably, are the testimonies that come flooding in uh, to our national office. And uh, every so often, I was stopped out in the coffee room by one of the ladies that comes to this church, and she told me she came to the Lord. She came out of, I think it was Madrid uh, University, and somebody offered her a testament, she took it, she read it, and she gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. I often say to people at the back of these testaments is the way to get to heaven. Uh, from the music festival, for example, when I was witnessing to a young lad. Because uh, it shows you the plan of salvation. And um, we have these absolutely superb testimonies. Now, I'm beginning to run out of time. So I was going to share two with you, but I'm only going to share one. Chair two, John. Chair two. two. Okay. Well, Jennifer's going to do two. Okay. <laughs> right. The more the better. Well, this, this lad, Philip, I'm going to give him first. Philip came from um, India. He was living in India. He was in a, a secondary school. It was a British uh, Protestant school. And some men came in and offered him and the rest of the uh, children in that class a New Testament and Philip which is his Christian name now I forget what his um, Indian name was he took one and he read and this is the passage that spoke to him where um, in Matthew 8 where Jesus uh, a leper asked Jesus if he will heal him and Jesus says yes I am willing and he was immediately healed and Philip, who was not looking for any particular religion, he'd always been um, interested in religion, um, he suddenly thought, well, the idols that I worship are far away. This Jesus seems down to earth. I want to know more about him. So he started reading more of the New Testament, and then he wanted the whole Bible. Because someone told him there was a whole Bible, that this was only a small part of the Bible. And he wanted uh, the other 39 books 
that made up the Old Testament. And so he found that he could buy one for 25 rupees, and he saved up. Uh, his father gave him money to go to school on the bus. Instead, he walked, and he walked back, and he saved all that, all that money. And instead of buying lunch, he saved that money, and he did this um, for a couple of months until he had the 25 rupees. He walked into the shop only to find it had gone up to 35 rupees. <laughs> and he was heartbroken because he knew mm-hmm. it was going to take him another month or two to get that extra 10 rupees. Someone said to him, we know a pastor of a church that probably can help you. And he went and saw this man and he explained what had happened and how God had answered all sorts of prayers. He prayed and God answered it. They wanted a new home. He prayed and God answered it. And um, his, his parents poo-pooed it. His mum was a Hindu, but the father was an atheist. Anyway, the pastor said, I will get you. Give me the 25 rupees and I'll get you a Bible. And he got him a Bible. And the thrilling thing is that he was able to witness to his mother. And she came to the Lord. And his brother, and he came to the Lord. And two years later... Hallelujah, his father came to the Lord, and ever since that he's been witnessing. And he's come over to England. He lives, um, I can't remember the name of the church. Bottom of Bartley Avenue there, opposite the, the church mm-hmm. down there. Is it Joel's church? I'm not sure. But that is where he is. He goes to Cary, and he is now a member of our Gideon branch, and is on fire for the Lord. And it's so good to have someone like this young Hindu, has come out of one faith into another because it gives us much more, uh, if you like, emphasis. People think of accountants as being Christians anyway. I I think. I don't know. (laughs) Perhaps you don't. (laughs) But you know, we... We, they, we, we, people still think of us in the Christian world, don't they? That Britain is, or England is, or Scot, England, Scotland, and Ireland are, they're all Christians. That's not absolutely true. The second one is Alberto, and this really did um, fire me up when I heard it last year. He re- also received a New Testament when he was 12. He um, gave his life to the Lord, and he read the New Testament every day. And you know, some of these people. When I was, uh, I'm not going to tell this testimony, but when I was in Zambia, there was a young man, I gave one of these two, and he said, what shall I read? I said, read John's Gospel. We had to move on, and the following day we were back in the morning, this was afternoon, because they had a two-tier take into the school. He was waiting at the gates and said, sir, sir, I've read John's Gospel. I have some questions. He had an A4 sheet of paper which was written questions all the way down one side and on the other. By the time I'd answered them, I was exhausted for a start. But he said, I want to know Jesus. I want him to come into my life. I want to be like you. I want to give God's word to my people. And there and then, in the dust of Zambia, we knelt and he gave his life to the Lord. I wasn't going to tell that testimony, sorry. Can I still tell this Alberto one? I'm going to hurry through it. Alberto was also 12... And he decided that when he grew up, he was going to be a church leader like Pads. And that's what he did. He became a church leader. He had five sons, and he prayed that each of them would also become church leaders. Each of them became church leaders. And then they had between them 15 sons, so 15 grandsons. That's 21 in total. This is very important for you to do your maths in a minute. These 21 also all became church leaders. 
And God has used that family to plant 500 churches. Now, the reason I said keep that in mind, because it's just under 25 each, and you must, might think, oh, this is exaggerated. But coming nearer to home, and Andrew, the present Bishop of Reading, was sharing with me that while he was in Ethiopia and Somali, he was there for nine years, he, he started 30 churches. So he planted more churches in that short period than these 21 planted over their period of ministry. So 500 churches through reading one New Testament and believing it and acting upon it. Dominic, or Bishop Stephen and Bishop Dominic, both of those came to the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of being given one of these testaments while they were at university. So we praise the Lord for that as well. The Gideon ministry provides spiritual care in all these avenues of human need. Will you show how much you care by helping us to distribute this book and Bibles um, by, first of all, praying? And pray especially for the two schools that are closest to you. We sometimes get trouble uh, in getting into Prospect, so pray, pray especially that we are allowed into Prospect School, please. Uh, Hugh Farrington, welcome us with open arms. It's always a lovely time, and sometimes we have prayer before we, we start with the headmaster. Sorry that I was greedy and took three. Sorry about <laughs> That's that, That's fine, John. That's fine. But it always excites me. Jennifer's coming up while I'm packing up. Here you go, Jenny. We're so thrilled to come. It's really Just lovely. Just a bit closer to your mouth. Oh, right. Yeah. We love to come and see you all. Um, because we hope that you will remember and pray for us. Pray for the work, pray for the people who receive the testaments. And I find I remember stories better than statistics. John remembers all the numbers. But I remember stories, so I thought I would tell you a couple of stories some of my favourite ones. We do get a lot into our national office, which is what encourages us to keep going. It's so lovely. And these are two of my favourites. One was um, from a girl at Edinburgh University, Anastasia, such a splendid name, I remember her. She wrote in, she was at university doing a master's degree in philosophy. And she got really disillusioned because every term it was a new philosophy in vogue and then the next term that had gone out and it was something different. And uh, she said, to be honest, it didn't seem to make any difference to the lecturers' lives, all these things they were promulgating. And she got very disillusioned with the, with the course. She also split up with her boyfriend and she was really, really down and depressed. She thought she was on the wrong course. She thought she'd give it up. She was fed up because of her boyfriend. And in her room, her eye fell upon a Gideon Bible on the shelf. It had been there all the time, but she'd not noticed it. So she took it down and it opened at random to Ecclesiastes. And she read, Life is Meaningless. All this, 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 life is meaningless. And it was exactly how she felt. And she went on reading to the end and found that without God, life is meaningless. And she looked out of her window. She had a lovely view of Arthur's seat, you know, the big cliff sort of mountain. And she said the sun was on it 
and the colours were really bright and it was gorgeous. And she said it was just as if God was saying to her, I'm here. She knew a friend who was a Christian who sang in the same choir as her. And so she started going to church with this girl and she became a Christian. And she wrote to our office and she said, thank you so much, whoever put that Bible in my room. She said, I really don't know what would have happened to me. I was in such a state. And the Bible was there just at the right time. And I have found God. Then another lovely one, we do like giving out in the schools because it's such an important time in their life. They're starting their adult life. Uh, working out how they want to behave and what sort of people they want to be. And in the Bible, there's such a lot of helpful guidance and advice for them. This story is about a young girl called Anne Higgins. She didn't come from a Christian background at all. Her family didn't go to church. She knew nothing at all about Christianity. And the Gideons came in and offered the Testaments and said, if you take one, we'd like you to read it. So she went home and she started reading. Well, now in our little testaments, we have a bit at the front, where to find help when you're frightened or anxious or friends let you down, all the things. And also, we put in a little reading plan, a few verses each day if you want to start reading the Bible. Well, this little girl didn't take any notice of that. She just started at the front. And as you know, Matthew... Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the... It really is not where you would advise somebody to start reading the Bible if they'd never read it before. But she went on reading because that girl was brought up on a farm, and from a tiny one, she knew the importance of the bloodline in breeding animals. So she thought, if somebody's bothered to put this bloodline all the way down to Jesus, he must be an important person. So I better find out. So she went on reading through the Testament, all the stories of Jesus, and she decided not only was he an important man, he was the most important man. So she gave her life to the Lord and she became a Christian. And I thought, what a lovely example, because it says all scripture is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and all that. And uh, we never know which bit of the Bible to recommend to people. God can use any bit of the Bible, and he's promised that his word will not return void. So when we give it out, when I'm giving them out in school, hundreds, I'm praying, because you never know what effect that Bible will have on that child, on their family, and maybe in the future they'll have positions of influence. So if you remember those stories, please would you pray for the work, especially as John said in the local schools and the hospital and the hotels, that people who receive the Bibles and Testaments will have their eyes opened by the Holy Spirit and they will come to know God's love for themselves and respond to it. Thank you so much for having us. Well, thank you very much, John and Jenny. And I'm, we will indeed pray for the work of the Gideons. Um, just listening to them talk about those, um, about those stories, um, I just very briefly want to share, funny enough, my, my, a little story that I have, which was that 
Very soon after, I had the experience that many of you know I had in South Africa back in 2000, which led me to faith. Um, I had already by then um, uh, accepted, if you like, that, that God was there, although I, was, I, I hardly knew much about Christianity. But I was in Nairobi on business, and I was in a very difficult situation with a group of, of people who were drinking heavily, um, and um, there, were, there were some... Some, some, let's just say there were some, thoughts, some not very nice um, goings on happening um, in the bar of in the bar of this hotel, and I felt this tremendous urge just to to flee, to run from from the situation. And I went up to and I and I just left under I think under some pretense I don't know, and, and went up to my room, and and I was literally almost shaking in my room. And I and I don't know why, but I opened the drawer next to the bed, and there was a Gideon's Bible, and I pulled it out. And to this day, and I'm sorry, John and Jenny, I can't remember where it was that I, that I opened it, but I started reading, and this amazing sense of peace and, and joy settled on me. And, and, and I just remember thinking, you know, God, you're so good. You've, you've saved me from this, from this situation that was, that was going on downstairs. It was, it was a really powerful moment for me. So, yes, God bless your work.